3: Welcome to the Inspired Evolution, and it is such a treat to be here today. I am thrilled to have Jamie Will. How are you, brother? Fantastic. Loving having you here. So just for those tuning in to Jamie for the first time, um, Jamie, let's try and put you in a box. Impossible, right? He's the co-founder and executive director of the Flow Genome Project. Um, Fortune 500 organizations such as Nike, Cisco, Google, Red Bull are just some of the organizations he's helped in unlocking peak performance. The reason I'm beyond excited to have him here today is at the heart of all of this is really a sense of the mystical, which I can't wait to dive deep into as well. Um, He's got a unique family background from what I gather. He uh, grew up taking incredible risks as an adventure athlete, daring to risk everything for the simple moments of going beyond himself and freeing himself of his mind. Can anybody relate? Although spectacular, this approach obviously was laden with danger, not sustainable, so Jamie and his partner Stephen Kotler committed themselves to exploring and sharing the world with uh, this elusive state of flow. Which, Stealing Fire, incredible book His research into flow encompasses the world Of hard to reproduce mystic states and the world Of hard science and in doing this He and his team aim to map the genome Of flow by 2020. This endeavour alone Recognises him as an expert in the field Of flow and altered states of consciousness He's a prolific speaker and a consultant On the neurophysiology of ultimate Human performance. Here we go I'm beyond excited. This is going to be a total Red pill conversation. Let's Join Dorothy in finding out how deep the Rabbit hole goes. Thanks for being here
0: with me today (laughs) your matrix metaphors (laughs) so um what what, what will alice think of kansas
3: (laughs) (laughs) let's find out so um yeah diving deep we uh you know there's there's a lot that we could talk to today and i that's probably the you know we're probably just gonna have to get you on again at some point but let's dive deep into you know these altered states of consciousness um can you describe them a little bit to us what are we talking about
0: Sure. I mean, obviously, um, an altered state, that's a really generic term, and that Mm. includes everything that's just not regular waking. So that could include dreams to schizophrenia (laughs) and a bunch of other things in between. Uh, When we're talking about NOSCs, which is non-ordinary states of consciousness, that's a specific subcategory that was coined by Dr. Stan Groff at Johns Hopkins way back in the day. And it's specifically, like, as far as the content of "Stealing Fire," the book I wrote about it, um, it includes meditative states, contemplative states, states brought on by smart technology, uh, whether that's fMRI, you know, electricity and magnetism to the brains and mind, um, psychedelic states, sexual states, kinetic or athletic or artistic states. So basically, all the positive, non-ordinary states that you can think of um, that seem to share an awful lot underneath the hood of the mechanisms of action, what's happening in our bodies and brains to get us there.
3: Incredible. And so we've been, there's plenty of like, we can jump online and we can see plenty of your work on flow, but we were having this conversation just before we we started um, in terms of what is the net benefit? Why are we really showing up for ultimate human performance? Why are we really showing up to unlocking peak performance? What is the point behind,
0: you know, these states and going there? Getting lit, I think, is the technical term. Yeah. Um, so why would one get lit? Um, okay, so, um, Can we say lit as fuck? Sorry.
3: Yeah. <laughs> because that's one yeah.
0: um, I'm still catching up. Yeah. Um, so um, actually, there's, a, there's a, an Aussie uh, mentor of mine, uh, Dr. Roger Walsh. Uh, who wrote a really good book. He's both an MD and an anthropologist, and he wrote a fascinating book called The Soul of Shamanism. Mm. And he didn't coin the term. It goes way back in the anthropological literature, but he's sure is the one that popularized it for many of us, which is the difference between monophasic culture, meaning single phase or one-channel consciousness, right. and polyphasic culture, meaning a bunch of channels. And typically indigenous cultures were polyphasic, so you could have dreams, you could have possessions, you could have trance states, you could have premonitions, you could have, you know, ESP, you could have a whole lot of different ways of perceiving information, receiving information, making sense of it, making decisions, and they were all considered valid. Right. Then we kind of, what we, we came into the modern era, you know, 1700s, um, Europe, Rene Descartes, the whole, you know, French enlightenment, etc. And we started really saying, hey, only five senses, everything else is bullshit. And only what I can taste, touch, think, hear, you know, feel, weigh, measure—all of those things became true, mm-hmm. and and that gave us our rational, self-aware, waking self. It gave us skepticism, rationalism, scientism. Right? It gave us all those good things, which we've built this whole world around. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also it also rusted shut the dial mm-hmm. on our ranges or states of consciousness. And mm-hmm. you can make a case. Um, it's not. It's not airtight, it's circumstantial, but you could make a a credible case that that lack of range is a big part of what has created our contemporary diseases of despair, anxiety, depression, insomnia, right? All of these things, because we're always, always, always on. So we're sort of almost always, we're we're all suffering from almost sort of micro PTSD. And sometimes macro, sometimes we take some hard hits (laughs) weren't expecting, but all of us are just constantly fibrillating. And That's the phantom phone buzzing in our pockets. That's the I get up in the middle of the night and I check my messages or my texts. It's the my mood going up and down depending on how many likes or retweets I've received that day. It's the echo chamber of our curated selves being put out into the into the digital world versus our actual day-to-day burdens. It's all of that. Mm. And so that's a long ass wind-up to say, what does it look like not to go back into a magical thinking, quote unquote, primitive culture that's polyphasic, which would just be magical thinking, which by the way, a lot of people in the new age personal growth, psychedelic space have done that. They've gone from, we're locked down, one channel rationalists to open up all the channels and I'm now getting downloads from the universe or my guardian angels and there's no discernment, there's no judgment, there's no rigor. That's not any more helpful question is, is, what, is it, what is a post-conventional, meaning after the last three, four hundred years, post-conventional polyphasic culture look like? How can we access these states? How can we actually increase our logic, our rigor, our discernment, not chuck them out the window? Hmm. And how can we make use of these states, the information and the inspiration and potentially the feeling they bring? And how can we use that to roll our collective project forward? It's a brilliant question. Do we have any answers to that? Well, I mean, I'm I'm diving deep into it for my next book, um, which is which is um, you know what happens on the other side of the psychedelic renaissance because that's getting a lot of press these days. There's a lot of breakthrough um, discoveries, approvals, progress in that whole world of like you know bringing psychedelics into therapies and into the healing of trauma, and that's you know laudable. Important work and a lot of the science that's happening at Johns Hopkins, at Imperial College in London, various other kind of leading edge research institutions is also doing bang up work, you know. And um, and those things are subject to regulatory capture, <laughs> you know. What one stroke of a of a grumpy minister's pen and it's game over, you know. There's yeah. local rules of it, regu- There's all these things, and so my curiosity has been: what are more open source and scalable ways? Um, that are anti-fragile, right? They can perpetuate Mm -hmm. and they can keep going so that people have more access. Um, And the simplest is just, you know, no surprises. It's just the things that are closest to evolutionary drivers um, are often the strongest. And so breathing, respiration is an easy one, but just by varying rate, rhythm, and depth of our breath, we change the nitrogen, oxygen, and carbon dioxide in our bloodstream which can either make us feel excited mm-hmm. or, you know, or if we're feeling agitated, we can slow it down and it can calm us. Or if you hyperventilate for extended periods or do other more complex sort of yogic practices or even free dive, free diving or any of those other kind of protocols or Wim Hof for folks that are familiar with the, the wild and crazy Iceman, mm-hmm. um, you can trip yourself out. You can create very sustained non-ordinary states. So. Mm. Breathing is one. Any kind of um, skillful movement, and not um, just—we're not talking sort of jumping jacks and calisthenics, but like subtle spinal movements, pelvic movements, um, myofascial stuff. So, what if anybody's played around with foam rollers and those kind of things, but getting actually really into that, Mm. Um, the massaging of our abdomen and soft tissues. There's a lot of interesting things you can do to, in conjunction with the breathing, in conjunction with the movement, crank. Really high quality, um, compelling music. So music is a long-standing human thing that shifts state um, yeah. via entrainment, via a bunch of other things. Um, and then, you know, another obvious, easy one, even though it's, you know, controversial, touchy subject is human sexuality. Um, simply because if you just look at it from a sort of, you know, anthropologist's point of view, you're like, hmm, an anthropologist from space like, no idea about what these little monkeys do down here. You're like, how is it that they've managed to reproduce, no matter what, every generation, and there's never, I mean, up until, you know, 20th, 21st century, there's never been an instruction manual. You know, monkeys just figure this shit out. You're like, wow, that is an amazingly strong, evolutionarily encoded driver. Mm -hmm. No matter what, right, we find a way. And so, and, and the, the good news, bad news, like the tragedy of it, is that 75% of human suffering, I mean, this is a number pulled out of my ass, but with some thought, which is, if you really track it, um, seven, just say 75% of human suffering is caused through sexual trauma, and whether that's unwanted children, of which that's nearly 50% of all kids born into the world were accidents, mm. right? that genghis khan is represented in nearly 10 percent of asia's dna which means like just think of the amount of war conquest rate that represents mm. right to to children born into challenging conditions to the fact that you know that um, over half of sexual violence against women is inflicted between the ages of 14 and 60 when these are young girls, their brains haven't connected together, but they just hormonally have been kicked into reproducible age. You're like, dear God, that is insane amounts of human suffering. And, and, and And it's the dirtiest trick ever that evolution played on us. They're like, hey, you got two little bits. They're super sensitive. They go together like peas and carrots. And if you wiggle them back and forth, awesome shit happens. And then, ah, psych, nine months later, you got a little baby. Like nobody t- <laughs> nobody's, nobody told us that one, yep. right? So you've got all this suffering and you've got these two completely distinct events, the act of fornication and orgasm and then conception. And so if you're just like, hey, can we decouple that? Can we take all of that water, right? Which is actually shows up in the form of genetic coding, neurochemistry, right? Primal attraction, all that stuff. And instead of having it run us off the cliff mm. of human suffering and misery, can you actually have it jump the track and then use it to grow your garden? Which would be, in this case, can you harness the neurochemistry and neurophysiology of conscious sexuality in service of accelerated human development? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. you know, spoiler alert, yes, you can, you know, and it's ever been thus, right? There's really, there's not a mystical lineage tradition pretty much anywhere on the planet. If you dig deep enough, somewhere down in some top secret corner is a sexual yoga hmm. for, for advanced practitioners. Yeah. You know, and Nicole Prousey, uh, who came out of the Kinsey Institute, she was at then at UCLA, um, she's actually researching right now Orgasm for women as prescription pharmaceutical um, because it has that many impacts. Uh, mm. When John When John Lilly did his original research at the National Institute of Health back in the fifties, you know he dis- he was using rhesus monkeys and discovered that their ecstatic circuitry maps one to one with the sexual arousal network. Well, no surprise because nature is efficient, <laughs> you yeah. know, and we have to overlay uses and purposes. Um, and Rick Doblin, who's the founder of Maps, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, and the one leading that whole therapeutic uh, legalization um, movement, Mm. um, just shared with me the last time we were together, he's like, yeah, our current research is showing that MDMA in therapy, uh, what's Mm. happening in the brain scans and what's happening in the neurochemistry is an increase in prolactin and oxytocin, uh, decreased but still active beta wave activity and heightened alpha theta. It's like basically the closest thing to the MDMA we're using in our therapeutic things is post orgasmic state. You're like, gee, okay, <laughs> how on earth else could we get to that? Mm-hmm. So, um, so all in, you, you, know, you take breathing, respiration, movement, music, sexuality, and then skillful use of substances, um, and you can combine them. You can stack them in ways that can provide really profound peak experiences with minimal uh, half-lives or duration. So it doesn't need to be a 12-hour experience or a 30-hour experience or something harrowing. that mm. takes forever to come back from. Right. Um, and use that to reset your nervous system. And, and that idea of are there ways for us, instead of just accumulating stress, that then becomes distress, that then becomes disease, Mm -hmm. Right. Can we actually defrag on a regular basis so that we stay current and so that we stay resilient and we can actually face life um, with as much resourcefulness as possible? And can we use some of these states skillfully to help that?
3: Mm. So there's a lot in that. There's a lot in that. And thank you so much for sharing. So, you know, uh, I guess I'll go to the first place that came to me was, you know, we... I didn't really settle into this until very recently that people talk about, you know, there's like a actually empowering women and educating women is the way forward for our future. And I didn't realize that in a lot of these developing countries, women aren't like, because they're not necessarily educated because of a myriad of reasons, because of what their bodies go through or because they need to get married off or because yeah, like men are preferred to go out and work and just like socially ingrained cultures and stuff like that. Um, they're not informed and because they're reproducing, they're they're just not, they're not informed. Like you said, some of these people are having four or five children and they're just not aware of the consequences that they're not bound to that process in terms of what that creativity is. And I think that also leads into like another thing that just penny dropped for me, which was, you know, Yuval Hariri talks about this in his book, like nature talks like nature and our DNA is not really questioning the quality of the world and the life around us all the time. It's actually just how many more of us can we replicate. And that is genetic success. Um, If we can just propagate more and more and more, actually, you know, that is on a genetic level. We are succeeding. And as you can see, humans are succeeding. We're wiping out all the other species as we know it um, in this, in this real time. And so, In and around that, I think it's fascinating that you're talking about these states and how they're important for us on an individual level. What's personally coming up for me is that, you know, you mentioned a psychedelic renaissance and on the back of that, you know, having done our own work, it seems like not only is each individual having to integrate, but as a collective, we now need these states to like, and like you mentioned, half-life, like actually being solid, being integrated more and more in our own being and the work of the collective in that. Can you speak to the work of the collective in that a little bit?
0: Yeah. So my, my sense is like, it's a bit of a three-legged stool, you know? So if, you know, to use, uh, sort of that, the ancient Greek language, just cause it's so old, it's new and that therefore it's clean. Uh, yeah. you know, we can say it's sort of ecstasy is the peak experience. Mm. Right. And that's super helpful. And that lets us sort of, you know, remember what we forgot. It lets us set down our bed. It lets us fucking go. yeehaw, high five. Like life is worth living. Super powerful. Right. <laughs> to just stand tall and be like, hell yes. Um, and it seems to do that. It seems to give us that inspiration, but it also gives us information. And a lot of times that information is precisely about where we are partial, incomplete, broken, banged up, or have trauma. Mm -hmm. And so that pulls us down, you know, if you allow it. Actually, sometimes willy-nilly, but for sure if you allow it, you're like, okay, I just got great insights Mm -hmm. onto my homework. Let me go down to that level, not my highest height, but my weakest link. Mm -hmm. Let me mend that weakest link. So you end up with catharsis and invariably, you know, we're social monkeys. So we're very rarely doing this in isolation. And when we have that catharsis, ecstasis experience of like, I've seen the light and I've faced my darkness, um, I often want to share the good news with my brothers and sisters. So the notion of connecting with each other, whether you call that group flow or whether you call that in the anthropological term, communitas, mm. right, that's actually the point. You could make a case, right? For sure, we need to do our individual stuff, but none of, none of the game ahead uh, is going to be uh, won or lost solo, and maybe lost solo, but it sure as hell isn't going to be won uh, in isolation. So the idea that when we're exposed to each other, and this is true for sports teams that win, this is true for you know, military folks that serve together. It's true for entrepreneurs that are engaged in a small startup. It's true for a a martial arts or dance dojo or studio that comes together and moves and trains together over time, you know, over time. Um, We connect. We connect and we connect with the people that we share those deep experiences with and that increases trust. And again, back to that MDMA cross-section, you know, prolactin, oxytocin, serotonin, there's a neurochemical cascade of safety security, belonging, and connection. And when we can use that, when we can bond deeply to create a, a reservoir of trust in the States, it's going to, it allows us to do hard things together um, better.
3: Mm. Wow. So what's coming up for me in this, and I'm going to give this a crack at asking it um, in the most uh, clean way possible is you're talking a lot about trust um, and, you know, I think I've in another talk that I've watched you give before as well. It's, you know, there is this whole idea of uh feather and leather, you know, like once you go do your spiritual work, you can end up in another egoic trap as well. Right. Um, but then there's that whole idea and what I'm trying to speak to, here we go is, okay, I've go and do my work and these states have helping me work on my darkest corners. Right. So I come down off the ecstasy and come down and like really work on, like my little shadow piece, and I, I try to integrate that and make it whole. Um, there are, and you said, like we build trust of people that have gone into these deep states that have worked on themselves with us and work working as a collective. What about those pockets of community that then aren't necessarily doing that work? Like uh, what's coming up for me is, yes, there's, you know, got my own spiritual practice, got my own meditative practice, but then it, there's this clear like butting of the heads when you meet someone that hasn't necessarily got a similar practice or even a similar awareness. They don't necessarily have to have the same practice, but these deep states that you talk about, you know, um, how does the corporate banker that has no interest in meditation or altered uh, or these deep states um, then integrate as a collective, like, you know, there's a, how do we build that trust? Or is it just a matter of everybody to experience their own deep state to really understand that there's work to be done?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Um, I wouldn't say I'm wildly optimistic about those kinds of true oil and water meetings of the minds. I mean, people can meet on a certain specific cognitive intellectual level, and mm-hmm. there could be coherence there. Like, oh, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. Mm. Um, whether or not I trust you in a knife fight is another thing. Entirely. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so that there, are, there are a number. I mean, you know, Bob Marley 101, right? Who feels it knows it, Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, feels it knows it. So there is a, there is a, or, or by their fruits ye shall know them, right? There is a certain element of an initiatory experience, which is you can't fake it and you can't read about it. You have to go do it.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: uh, unless or until you have stepped through that threshold, you basically um, aren't trustworthy to be able to hold sacred or significant or you know whatever else um, that which is disclosed. On the other side, so that's why one of the things I'm s- most curious about right now is how do we create open source, scalable techniques for self-initiation, uh, so that as many people as possible can wake each other up and we go, "Hey, hey, hey! hey you nearly forgot! Thank God! Thanks for waking me up! Oh my gosh!" And, and now I can that favor, and now we suddenly have cascades. Like, what are we here to do? I don't know what I'm here to do. I remember now, and like, oh God, this is gonna be hard. I'm a little scared. Give me a hug. And like, hey, I'm tired and I don't want to carry this anymore. Okay, I'll take a rest. And so like that idea of we don't all have to wake up all at once. Mm. But I think about it like a you know, transatlantic or trans-pacific sailing voyage. You know, like not everybody on the boat has to stay awake the entire month. Right? But <laughs> just take, yeah. take turns keeping watch. Right? You take turns keeping watch. We don't all have to stay awake all the time. Mm. Right? We just need to know at least one of us is. To keep us on track and then we can we can settle into fatigue exhaustion right? <laughs> dreams whatever but as long as there's one of us at a time to keep that light lit then there's a game we can play together and that um, i i i um, i mean I, i'm of two minds of this there's yeah. a there's a chunk of like let's say developed world cultural creative basically upper-middle-class, bougie white folks, if you really had to get demographic about it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and there's that chunk. And those folks, you could say, um, in order to really collaborate in a high-trust environment, yes, they're, they're, if there is an initiatory experience available to you, um, go ahead and take it um, so that you will you know, remember what you've forgotten, what you're here to do. Yep. That's the kind of wake up, grow up, show up. Yep. But then also this other thing that happens lower down the civilizational band where people don't have those luxuries and those distractions mm. and there is a straight ahead and this is not to like romanticize poverty or hardship it's not mm-hmm. being you know, being poor removes a lot of the dignity of of, of being poor right yeah. the poverty of it um, but it is to say that when folks are that close to just the like staring realities mm-hmm. of life death Survival, dependence, community—in the face, there's a, just a baseline human common sense folk wisdom that you know most bougie folks can't wrap their head around. Mm-hmm. You know, or pay thousands of dollars to go to a workshop to hear someone parrot back or forward the memes about. But it's like, mm-hmm. no, no, no! Like, look after each other. Be kind. You know, grow yeah. like, your vegetables. Like, 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 like simple, old-fashioned, timeless stuff. So you know, I don't think you need to like, I mean, particularly psychedelic warriors are all about like, we need to light the world up and everybody needs to fill in the blank of their favorite substance, you know, mm. we need to experience this. And then it's like, no, not so much. A whole bunch of people just need clean drinking water and a patch of land to, you know, to do their homestead garden and a shot that their kids will have a, have a future better than those. Like that mm. is what most humans ever have ever wanted. They don't give a shit who sits on the iron throne. They never have, you know, they're just like, just let us be and give us a shot. Mm. You know, we're resilient creatures. We don't need complex metaphysics. Those are, those are nice to haves, but not has to haves.
2: Mm.
3: Yeah, I think it's fascinating that you mentioned that because there is a shift coming from the metaphysical though, right? Like more and more people tuning into their metaphysical selves is what's bringing this. But I appreciate what you're saying in that these like, you know, growing up with the Indian culture in me, it was never lost on me that, you know, some of the some of the happiest people were the ones that, you know, they wore the brightest saris, but they were the ones that were living in the slums, you know, and they were the happiest and because they were interfacing with life on life's terms on its level. And the ones that, you know, especially in a country like India, like the commerce and just the... The raucous of that. They were the most miserable ones, you know. So there is definitely I can relate to or identify what you're saying as being a truth for myself at the very least, in terms of that relationship with life and, you know, um the wisdom in there. But it seems also for that other demographic that there is this metaphysical shift coming in that is, you know, like a like a like an awareness being lynched open. And I really respect the work that you're doing, as you know. Um, just trying to open source and like for like the greatest leverage being consciousness. Um, you know, that is, that is absolutely phenomenal. What does that look like in terms of, you know, you mentioned the word homegrown humans, you know, what does that really mean to you?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, um, and this is, I mean, like there are no simple answers for any of the stuff we're talking about. Of
3: course. That's why we're having this conversation. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) There's not not like good, bad assets, cool kids. Like, it's everybody's trying the best, and we're we're getting a handful of things right. We're buggering up more than we should, I think. Um, but so, so, you know, there are there's several things. One is is my integrated sense would be like, how do we do this? Is that it's a combination of peak experience, um, healing, and connection and that that's the wheel of our life We're forever like you can come in through each door diff- different people coming through different doors so if people have come in through addiction right and recovery right they come in through catharsis they come in like i'm broken or they've had a near-death experience they've survived cancer they've experienced a bankruptcy or a divorce like they're just life has just beaten them open yep and that's what, and then they maybe out of that they find fellow travelers who have shared their pain and burden. And they're like, oh, I used to think I was by myself. I had shame around this. Now I found my group, my community. And then the combination of those two things, pow, then they shoot up to their peak experience, right? Mm -hmm. I'm home, right? I found my tribe, I found my people. Other people might come in through the peak experience. They have some breakthrough epiphany through meditation, dumb happy luck, psychedelics, you name it, accidental sexuality, you name it. They're like, holy smokes, what was that? I need to go learn more. Who else is experiencing these things? They come down into community, right? Or they go over into healing. Like, ooh I saw I saw love light and unicorns and a laundry list of homework. Better get cracking on that. Yeah. Right? And so, so how we come into that, that rolling wheel depends on our life experience. But that, that is arguably the engine of human experience ultimately delivers us to being an initiated human. You know, and in the technical terms, you could call that anthropos, you know, which, which is, like, just think Vitruvian man, like Leonardo's, you know, drawing, but but not specifically gendered, right? Just human and balanced and integrated, where masculine and feminine are online, where, you know, cognition and emotion are online, um, where agency and communion, where all of these things are balanced and integrated. And, like, if you can do that, if we can do that, then that's, that's a profoundly powerful um, project. Like saying, hey, 1.0 humans got us into this mess. 2.0 humans, the Anthropos, are the ones Mm -hmm. that need to lead us out of it. So, this is what I meant when I said this is confusing and and contradictory because like, I do believe that profoundly. Enough Mm -hmm. to like burn a year and a half of my life writing a book about it. But, (laughs) at the same time, there's a massive caution and I just had I've just had three phone calls you know, in the last week where people are a little bit freaked about the status of the world, mm-hmm. they're gathering together in community, and after lots of long-term, deliberate, and careful thought, they have concluded, you know what, the very thing we were all doing as bougie, conchy folks focusing on our personal growth? yep that's what's gonna save the world. And you're like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, how self serving a circular argument does that one have to turn out to be? Not, I'm going to sell my house and go and start and go and work in a soup kitchen in the slums. Not, never that, never that. They're always like, you know what? Change, change starts within. Like, Namaste. And you're like, man, come on. So, and then I'm like, okay, so you guys are thinking about existential risk. You guys are like, you guys have read the papers, you're steeped in this stuff. What have you guys actually done? Have you created community resiliency? Are you talking about food stores or gardens or water supplies? Are you helping? Mm, No, no, we haven't got there yet. We're working on presencing. Mm -hmm. And you're like, man, that's Mike Tyson. You know, like everybody's got a plan until you get hit. (laughs) And so, and I think think that's something that the, you know, quote unquote consciousness community is just wildly asked deluded about. It. Because mm. if I talk to former special operations military guys, if yeah. I talk to lots of my friends and, 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 you know, and colleagues in the mountain guiding, surf rescue, wilderness medicine space, like people out there in the sharp end of life, mm-hmm. if you talk to permaculture experts and farmers, not a single one of those people, those communities of practice will go, you know what? I think the most important thing we could do right now is sit in a circle and talk about our feelings, not fucking one One of them. And, you know, and that should be a clear like reality test for all suburban zoo animals who are just kidding each other on Instagram. Mm.
3: Yeah. Yeah. What's, uh, I was hoping we'd get to talk about something like this because I remember (laughs) (laughs) because we mentioned um, and this was something that, you know, I've never heard anyone articulate as clearly as you did. Um, You mentioned uh, the Navajo and being an integrated human. And just this discrepancy, exactly what you're leaning in on here, which is, and I think for the audience of the Inspired Evolution, be really listen, useful to listen into, which is, you know, there is this, yes, love is, you know, a healing force. It creates connection, you know, and, you know, it can facilitate peak experience. So it is an amazing force. Um, but there is, you know, there is that love. But then there's this whole, we, we don't even demand reparations, we love you beyond that kind of love, you know, like the cultures of consistent oppression that have then just turned around and said, we still love, you know, and you were referring to the Navajo and that like in terms of like love being fully integrated and the word that you used was fierce.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's another one. So, I mean, just, you know, I referenced those communities, the the military experts, mountain guides, farmers, basically, Um, anyone doing hard shit in the real world, none of them succumb. Um, And I just spoke to one of the researchers at Imperial College in London um, yesterday, and he had just come back from the World Ayahuasca Conference in Spain. And And he had a really interesting point that just kind of double stamped this one on the forehead, which was, that you know, I noticed a complete divide between the Westerners coming up to speak about ayahuasca, and it was kind of evenly split between Matt's style, here's therapeutic and, you know, therapeutic and research potentials, totally mm-hmm. worthwhile and noble. But then yep. the other, and then the other half was, I'm a Western shaman, and I'm speaking of the, the magic, the mystery uh, that, that can kind of come from some of those experiences, and um, versus the indigenous, the indigenous elders. And every single indigenous elder that came up to speak wasn't talking about the pretty lights, wasn't talking about guardian angels, wasn't talking about neurochemistry. Mm-hmm. They were talking about deforestation. They were talking about oil companies, hired gangs, kids starving. They were talking about their communities in crisis and their ecology in crisis. And their term for all of the psychedelic tourists is white vampires that folks are coming down into that space with n- 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 little to no sphere of concern extending beyond them having their ep- epiphany. Mm. And, and that is a profound thing we need to address. Um, because it's one thing to be like, oh, you know, like mother ayahuasca or mother mushroom or mother fill in the blank plant medicine wants to be dispersed around the world and, oh, wouldn't you know it, I've got the signal and that's why I'm on this YouTube channel doing this thing and, and you know, whatever it is, um, versus if in fact there was, I mean, just a big ass hypothesis, mm. if there was an intelligence to any forms of these molecules, compounds, or plants and it was signaling, wouldn't you think that we would owe a profound debt of gratitude, protection, right, and collaboration, with the peoples who have been holding them for millennia, versus yeah. I got I got myself you know a, a pint bottle, and I'm smuggling it into my next dance festival.
3: Yeah. There's um yeah, so cultural reform is that is that where we land? Is that kind of where we're headed? In, in
0: I mean, th- my sense is there's an absolute minefield out there in the identity politics and social justice. Oh, dude. <laughs> right? because you could just go, whoo, you just spin up. <laughs> <and then, laughs> uh, Those
3: wheels fast. don't get any traction. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, no, and, and, but it's important to understand. <laughs> yeah. this, uh, arguably, like, there's sort of like a hey, guys, it doesn't matter what your IOUs are, you mm-hmm. know? but like, we're facing a much bigger, big time bad coming so we can agree that if we make it to the other side of this you guys are first in the fucking queue right to help articulate and write all those things for now however the enemy of my enemy is my friend
2: Mm. and
0: Mm. and can we do that And in fact we have to do that and so my sense of getting wrapped around the axle of cultural appropriation and all those kind of things it's like it's clear it's present call people out on it do your everybody's level best not to do any more of it Yep. And actually sack the fuck up and support these people with time, money, political connections, whatever we lucky folks born into the West have received and actually make a difference commensurate with the supposed mm-hmm. profound internal growth and and, and breakthroughs we've had. Mm-hmm. And let's play through because there's also the, second, the next level is, do we want to be locked into indigenous traditions that were formulated halfway around the world thousands of years ago? Do they fit our time and place? Probably not. How do we modify and update and do that in a way that's not appropriating nor overly commodified? Tricky, but let's keep trying. What do you do with chemicals and compounds that now, because of our pharmacological insights, we realize do similar things, aka analogs, Mm -hmm. right? And can you take a plant from a different place that doesn't have an indigenous tradition, cook it up, turn it into something, and that unlocks similar things? Are we still beholden to awareness of cultural appropriation? Are we free and clear? What's the difference between synthetic versus organic Chemicals and compounds, and do we believe there's a qualitative or informational difference in the experiences or the data they disclose? All big ass questions, and I doubt anyone is going to figure those. Yep. But we should all keep going, <laughs> paying attention to as many of those as we can, mm-hmm. and never forget the in service of what question.
3: Yeah, I think that's that's a really profound question. Which, yeah, I think you point out quite clearly is something that we perhaps need to focus on a little bit more. Um, This whole piece for me is about integration, is really what I'm hearing. It's about integrating um, our individual experience into serving the collective. And is that just timeless wisdom then, you know, just living a life of service to the greater samsara, the wave of consciousness that we're a part of, and, you know, making sure that society is still standing in the best of our ability, that we're actually custodians and not just, you know, like treating it like shit the current way we, that we are?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, you say, is that timeless wisdom? Yes, it is. Mm. Um, and we're also, we, you know, I've used that term deconditioned zoo animals, but like that plus fragmented, hyper-individualistic consumer identities. Mm. So we're all of those things. And, and that, is, that is historically a total anomaly. Mm. Of like I, me, mean mine, instant gratification. I push the button. I click the link. Two day shipping, whatever it is. I just I, me, mean mine. Like we have actually been programmed into becoming probably the hungriest ghosts that have ever lived. As yep. far as all seeking that which we crave and it never filling us.
2: Right.
0: Mm-hmm. So the challenge with the psychedelic community, the personal growth community is like, how do we deprogram ourselves at a rate we can handle to get through all that layer? of socially defined identity to get back to our true humanity. And then ideally without suffering a breakdown, no longer being able to hold a job, pay my rent, etc., because you take that layer off of all the prompts and all the sugar pills and everything else. And like it's you're like, what the fuck illusion have I been living in? So how do you disillusion ourselves at a rate we can handle, get down to bedrock our core humanity. Don't try and bypass or co-opt in the middle layer, because the number of people who are like, oh my gosh, I had an ego death experience, I can't wait for my next Instagram post or my next workshop or my next rollout, and you're like, ah oh, fuck, you stopped halfway. You know you're worse than anything. You're a Sith, right? You're you're a baby Sith, right, who knows more than you should mm. and hasn't clarified or purified your reason why. Mm. So what you said about oh you know, timeless wisdom, hell yes, it's timeless wisdom. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't need to be dusted off and put back up in floodlights mm-hmm. uh, never forget, this is what we're here for.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I mentioned the Navajo, like one of their the their neighbors, the the Hopi uh, in the Taos Pueblo, you know, have a beautiful expression like the grandmothers would always use to deflate any puffed up warriors who were talking too much shit. They're like, Yep. Does it grow corn? <laughs> Does it grow corn, homie? Like otherwise, <laughs> if it is not adding to life and sustenance... Uh, I love that. I love that. So I'm <laughs> going
3: to go into a, another prickly space here with you. Um, so, yes, you know, peak experience, healing, connection, and everything we're talking about in terms of this integration. Then there are clear social structures maybe we put them in place i'm not sure if we did or if someone else did um but there is resistance to us accessing connection in many ways you know um we just talked about our echo chambers there is resistance to us accessing our healing it's socially weird for us to go and do some of these things that we need to go do in order to you know be open to these multivariant dimensions that you know you've spoken about um that perhaps you know went beyond our limited range to move through the things that we need to move through. And a lot of these peak experiences, um, outside of, you know, adventure sports, um, you've even touched on some of them, are you know, not readily available to us. There is seems to be some sort of opposition, um, to us accessing, you know, this integrated self. Is that a reflection of our inner self in your humble opinion? Or is it like, is that a a grander machine at work?
0: Well, you, I think you have to name who the adversary here, here is because you were describing forces at work and they seem mm-hmm. like they ranged from our own hesitance or resistance to be intimate with each other with what almost sounded like social structural things. Yeah. So like, name your bad guy and then I'll tell you what I think of him.
3: Right. So, my, I think uh, the question for me is culture, the bad guy being culture as, as like a, as a blanket. For addressing that all that all of those fit into you know in terms of we've got yeah the culture of my the corporate machine the way that it is um, you know not asking me to make sure that you know lacking my connection um, all the the media the advertising that then insulates me from within that um the expectation of you know not even just some people not even having the time to access their own healing um you know just being on the hamster wheel you can't get down rest like you said who's who's at the wheel of that ship you know giving me the moment to rest and recharge um it seems like the what we've built at the moment doesn't necessarily facilitate us from a cultural level perhaps in the west more so but from what my limited awareness um the east is rapidly trying to follow up with the West. Whenever you visit China or India, these countries are, you know, just steam training as hard as they can to mimic the same culture. And it's it's intense. Um, it's actually depressing to be around. Um, but, yeah, you know, I feel like there is this opposition. Is that, in your opinion, um, engineered to be that way so that people don't necessarily wake up? Um, or is that a reflection of, or maybe it's both, you know, our inner self going... We're not ready to interface with the awakened, the awakened state, and that's why we're not really stepping into that. Like, what is beyond that, and those resistance forces?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's an infinite question. Mm. Yeah. What is keeping us from stepping into our highest and fullest potential?
2: Mm.
0: First fork in the road is: did we have it, and then we lost it, or are we? Is it ahead of us, and we need to keep going? Yeah. that's a fundamental like philosophical divide right there. Um, you know, I would err on the side of other than exceptionally rare pockets of small groups of humans over fairly short periods of time. We haven't really ever got there in a sustainable, scalable way because life is fucking hard. And, and The luxury of having all of our baseline needs met, safety, security, belongings, civil rights, private property. Throw in democracy in a market full of more than we can imagine, right? Um, yeah. Rare and recent thing where we have, we're just not busting our ass until sunup to sundown quite literally and just glad to make a go of it. Diseases of so, abundance. Yeah. So, so, I mean, if you think, you know, if I think, oh, my dad was uptight and didn't have access to his emotions, I'm like, yeah, I, I lived through the depression in World War II. Mm. You know, like, what were those hits they took? And just at some point, you forget where to go back to unpack them. It's like, it's just me, I limp, you know? And so love and compassion and respect for our ancestors, I think is is one level necessary and true. Like it didn't have to be a raging bonfire that they invited us to. All it had to be was a spark and, you know, like carried it through gales and storms, you know, and they got it to us. So if we have the blessing and the privilege of waking up in our lifetimes, then everything is redeemed in the unfolding. There's no, and my mommy and daddy didn't love me enough, and I, and I was so wounded that we lived in a flat-top trailer instead of a fucking big house like my friends, and I always wanted a swimming pool. You're like, yep, and you got here. Love keeps no record of wrong. Mm. You know, so, so there's that side to it. Um, but then there's also the side of like, and weirdly, 20th century capitalism created this mutation of human desire and actualization So on the one hand, everybody wakes up and says, hmm, what is that better world our hearts know is possible? And they're like, here, here, here is this tacky, cheesy-ass shit made in China, and you want it, and you want it, and you want it. And it's just like this puke algorithm Mm
2: -hmm.
0: of consumptive plastic. Mm. And we're like, we're being conditioned and primed to to try and live on this stuff, but now we realize it doesn't have any nutrients. Mm. And so... That to me is, you know, relatively speaking, a historical fluke. I wouldn't pin that on human nature. I'd say that's rise of European powers, spread of, you know, democratic capitalism, lucky shit, unlucky shit. That's like you could roll the dice a thousand more times, and we wouldn't get that scenario playing in the simulation again. Okay. Has and as a result, people have to basically cease being hungry ghosts. We have to, you know, that we actually have to practice. Um, discipline of enoughness and we have to seek the actual nutrients that we need like love connection belonging contribution creativity good old fashioned human stuff mm. and, and, and that works I mean, I just read a paper today that was like hey newsflash you know people who have nature in their neighborhoods aren't bummed out <laughs> and it went, into all, it went into all the stats you know 56% lower likelihood of depression anxiety this that and the other and you're like yeah Jesus Christ no shit yeah, you know shit that we are primates on this planet we were born on, and it yep. feels way better to be out there amongst it than wrapped in concrete mm. and formaldehyde.
3: Yeah, I think it <laughs> even speaks to like the talks that you know, I, I I've, you know, you give, we give. It's like the amount of science that needs to be hard backed into gratitude or forgiveness, and it's like
0: really, <laughs> but that's what they need yeah. to buy into it, and it's like. Fair enough. That's what I mean about the hungry ghost thing. We actually have to catch it in ourselves.
3: Yeah. So, and chop wood, carry water. Um, You know, I think that's what I'm getting from a lot of this. And so what are the places for those that are tuning in that you would recommend? You mentioned breathing, subtle movement practices. Where do we tune in to do our chop wood, carry water after the enlightenment?
0: I mean, the, the short answer is everywhere, right? I mean, the last, the last panel, in the Zen ox parable. parable. Um, and this was, a, this was a game changer for me reading it in, yep. in my 20s because I was like, oh, you know, all fan, you know, fantasies about enlightenment, you know. Yep. Um, and, and it's the fourth panel out of ten where the dude gets awake. He finds the ox, which is the parable for enlightenment. You're like, what? It's only, the, we're, only we're less than halfway in. He's already at there. What the hell happens after that? And it was all these subtle, you know, more and more nuanced stages Mm -hmm. after, oh, my God, I've had my breakthrough epiphany. And the final one is it says, even the wisest men and scholars cannot find him. His doors and windows are locked. He is down among the people in the marketplace with helping hands. Mm -hmm. So until we've got to that, we're not there yet. And I actually just got dragged into a a satsang with uh, a couple who were legit presenting themselves as the second coming of Jesus and Mary and had bindis and flowing robes and all this stuff and describing their profound epiphanies sitting under the solstice with crystals in the Pyramid of Giza, blah, 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 And I was like, hmm, you know, like, I don't, I mean, you may well have had those experiences, not for me to judge or say, but I can sure as shit say. Whatever was still inside you that prompted you to stop that cycle at the place where you're sitting on the throne mm. with a headdress, you're not done yet.
2: Mm.
0: Right? So, and I think that's decent, a decent litmus for all of us. Yeah. The power of the Go grow corn, go yeah. rock, go till a garden. Yeah. That life
3: of service. Man. There is, there is so much in that. And I genuinely feel like I could, you know, pick your brain and talk to you forever. Um, but I'm also mindful and honoring of the time. So Jamie, is there, um, just before we weave out, I do have one final question, but um, is there anything else you'd like to share for those that are tuning in?
0: Well, I mean, literally, like go do good things. Like we are anxious right now because we are perceiving like animals before a tsunami. Mm-hmm. There's a pressure wave coming and, yeah. on, and our spidey senses are tingling. So the best antidote to anxiety and existential wondering right now is, is go help somebody less fortunate than you. That notion of 80-20 woke to broke. We get 80% of our catharsis and breakthroughs from the first 20% of our personal growth. After that, because that was so amazing, we then invest 80% of our time and money chasing our infinite perfectibility, and that at this point in time in history is unconscionable. Turn around and and lend a hand to the less fortunate behind you, and that is how we get whole, right? That is how Dorothy does come back to Kansas, having checked out all the rabbit holes, and believe five impossible things before breakfast, and she realizes, oh, shit, this broke-ass town I couldn't wait to get out of is home. Mm. Beautiful brother.
3: And for those tuning in, what's the best place to connect with the work Um, flow genome project. I know has its own website. Um, Amazing work that you guys are doing. Is that the best place to touch base?
0: Yeah, that's great. And you can find us on Facebook too. At just flow genome.
3: Perfect brother. And uh, my last question, and by no means my least question is, you know, beyond flow, beyond States, beyond the name, beyond the work that you do, who is Jamie?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am a guardian of the gate sent here from the future to uh, usher as many good humans through this transition as we possibly can with as much fun as we can while we do it.
3: In my humble opinion, to do an amazing job.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there was a long answer for that one, and there was a short answer. <laughs>
3: um, brother, I really want to just take a moment to thank you for your time and energy here today, um, but also not just today, just the, the time and energy and the commitment it takes to show up, you know, just the chopping wood, the carrying water that you've done in your life to be in the position that you are today, to be able to sit there and share so honestly, so truthfully, so vulnerably, so openly the stuff that, you know, many many people um wouldn't dare to talk about in a public forum um i just really want to honor and acknowledge you for that so thank you so much for your time and energy and space here today
0: i do sure thing man be well (laughs) thank you hey tribe
3: thanks for tuning in to another fun enlightening episode of the inspired evolution i've been loving all the feedback and personal stories of love uh, health and growth your feedback and stories are incredibly welcome The easiest way to connect with me is via my website which is wwwamrit sanducom You can leave me a message or a comment It's one of my highest values to connect so I love to connect and love to hear from you You can also find me on Facebook Amrit Sandu. and if the content has been resonating with you, you can help the Inspired Evolution out in a big way by liking the YouTube channel, subscribing to the Inspired Evolution or the Facebook page, like that please at the Inspired Evolution or by leaving a review on iTunes if you're on an Apple device. And also, if the Inspired Evolution episodes are inspiring an evolution within you, or you can feel the inspiration is valuable for your team to evolve to the next level, you can head on over to www.amrit sandu.com to see how the Inspired Evolution can help you and your team thrive. Much love, tribe.
1: Hold up, what was that?